It's The Little Big Things with Matt and Tom, where we talk about the big things that get little attention. And Father Ronan Murphy is back with us on today's program for the part two of our last discussion, where today he'll be talking a little bit about vocations, prayer and confession. Father Ronan, thank you for joining us again on the program. And we just wanted to pick up where we left off last time, where we were talking about a crisis in prayer. And I just want to ask your opinion on, is there a crisis in vocations, particularly for marriage? Something that never seems to get spoken about whenever the priests give a talk, at least where we are here in WA, they always talk about vocations to the priesthood and religious life, but they never really mention uh, marriage or consecrated single or any of those other valid vocations as vocations? Because vocation is usually associated with priesthood and religious life because it's other than everybody, you know, most people are called to the vocation of the married life. So we don't speak about vocation in a sense to the married life, but it is a vocation. Absolutely, this is your calling in life. There's four states of life. You can be called to the priesthood, the religious life, the married life, or the single life. And so each one is a calling from God. And so we are called to the priesthood. And remember that we make promises before Almighty God at our ordination. And God will hold us to those promises. Of course, you know, sometimes we're, we're human, we're, we're weak, we can fall. We always have the grace of the sacraments to help us, especially confession if we fall and, you know, uh, deviate in any way. You know, it says, but same with any any of the vocations that, you know, there's a weakness there and we, we commit venial sins. Some people commit uh, violations, mortal sins against those vocations. But God's mercy is always available and there's always the way back. Huh? And we're not availing of the sacraments in these vocations to help us because Remember that these are, without me you can do nothing. We need Jesus. We need his grace. That's why marriage is a sacrament attached to marriage. Because it's difficult. I think the hardest vocation, not the priesthood, the hardest vocation is married life. It's being married and, 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 and committing yourself to married life. And also it says, uh, to being parents to children, raising children these times. That's probably the hardest vocation. And there's a sacrament. God gives that sacrament to help you to live that vocation. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it's not easy to live the priesthood, the religious life. And that's why there's a sacrament attached to our ordination too, that we enter into the sacrament of holy orders. That he doesn't just call me to priest and leave me bereft of the grace to live that vocation. That's not an easy vocation. And I have to cooperate with the grace of that sacrament throughout life as do the validly married couple uh, cooperate uh, with the sacrament of marriage within the church. And so but we must pray to help us to cooperate. We must be in touch with, with Jesus and the sacramental life of the church. Absolutely. And we're more and more out of touch as a younger generation through media, all social media and uh, just being distracted by everything, which I think is desensitizing. We've found it's been desensitizing and just you don't take anything as seriously as you should. And so you get things 
um, like we were discussing Game of Thrones the other day, the TV yeah. series. Never seen it. So. No, no, <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, no, Catholic, no Catholic show. Yeah, yeah, don't know what it's about. But, but that's our, our yeah. argument is it's the first, probably the first major TV series that has been acclaimed worldwide sure. that contains very blatant pornography. It's very, sure. it's extremely violent. Yeah. The pornography is very heavy and everyone's watching yeah. it, but not talking about it. But if you're it. not strong enough, you're not strong enough to counteract this atheistic pagan culture of our times. So you have to be rock solid in your faith and your morals. Huh? Mm -hmm. And so um, we need to be strong in our Catholic faith to counteract you know, society today. The current is very, very strong today. You know, sheep come from Ireland. They're not the most cleverest of animals. They come from a sheep farm. Absolutely. <laughs> They're not the most cleverest of animals. You go, you go up the, the street, the roads in Ireland, and, and the sheep are on the roads, and you're beeping your horn. You think they get off the road, they keep running up the road. You keep, they keep beeping your horn. But when one goes over the cliff, they all go over. And if you're not strong, you're just going to flow. You're just going to go with the culture. You know, when our Lord called us sheep, <laughs> we've been called worse, but I tell you what, it's far from being a compliment. We need a shepherd, trust me. So, you know, you don't hear cow dogs, pig, uh, you don't hear pig dogs, you don't hear of donkey dogs, but sheep dogs. They need more help than other animals or whatever, you know. We've, 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 uh, we've come up with so many, we have so many teams today, we're running out of names for teams, especially in America. You call in your team the avalanches, this thing raised the ducks or whatever, you're really getting hard up at names. But nobody ever calls their team the sheep. <laughs> and so, but... If you are following the shepherd, the good shepherd, no, it's not going to be easy. Jesus said, if the world hates you, no, it hated me first. It's not easy if you're going to follow, to, to, to follow the path of Christ. It, you have to be countercultural today, never more so these times, whatever, you know. Uh, when Jesus came into the world, it says, the world preferred the darkness to the light. Boy, does it prefer the darkness to the light, mm -hmm. never more so in history today. And to be a light in the world is not easy when the world will try to blow out that light. And so you have to be very strong, as rock solid in your Catholic faith to stand up. And so you have to be able to discern, that's not good for me. That's not good for my faith and morals. To, to know TV is not an evil in itself, but you be, better be careful what you're watching because there is an agenda to this, to destroy the faith and our morals. Uh, through the media today. Absolutely. You have to be able to counteract all of that, protect yourself against it, and protect your children against it. Prayer is, is pivotal. It's the key to it all. They're not praying. If mm. the world turned back to prayer, the world would be fine. Mm. The world would be fine. But they're not praying anymore. Actually, a priest we spoke to earlier said the same, almost exactly those words about confession. He said yeah. that people are starting to make regular confession at the, uh, the school that's attached to the church. So the kids are making regular confession. The parents are starting coming back to church. And he said the numbers are swelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but the reason, yeah, confession is such an important sacrament for these times that we need to get back to the practice of confession. So I'm happy to speak about confession. Oh, if you want to spend a few minutes talking about confession, that would be great. Sure. Because that's something that's, that's a sacrament that you and I have really recently come to love. A priest once told me, I, I, I had a bit of a, a miracle with, I had a very bad leg injury. Sure. And I, um, I was wanting to get into a, a um, musical theater course for singing sure. and dancing and acting, and I couldn't do it with my leg. And so I was praying, I went to a church. I'd gone to confession uh, with the priest there. And then I was just praying in front of um, the tabernacle and I said, all right, well, look, 
if I'm if I meant to do this course, you're going to have to fix my leg. Sure. If it doesn't get fixed, then I know I'm not meant to do it. Show me what else I'm meant to do. Went down for the audition and they threw a very hard dance routine at me and mm. no problem, no pain in the leg. And I've never had any since. Just, that was good. Yeah. I went back to the church. Sure. Um, a week, week later, I went back to the church and the priest was there again. And I, I asked him for confession. Again, it had been a week and I thought I, need to, I should go again. And he told me, you shouldn't come this often to confession, Tommy. He goes, you, you should treat it more like a spring cleaning. Come once a year, you know, and just oh. let it all get out the cobwebs. Mm. And I, it, it, I went away thinking that that can't be right. I said, this, it's such an important grace for staying pure and staying motivated. Absolutely. To, and it's, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so. It's like a shirt. If you buy a new shirt and you, you find uh, the buttons are tight in that shirt, that shirt. And the more you wear the shirt, the button gets looser and looser. And if you don't tie it with new thread, what happens is that you lose the button. And that's like baptism. We're tied to God because there's no impediment in our communion with God. But the more, when we start committing these venial sins, we weaken our relationship with God. And the problem is if we don't tighten our relationship with God through the sacrament of confession and the grace of the sacrament, we end up falling into mortal sin and we lose communion with God. So it's important that we keep that relationship always tight with God through the sacrament of confession. Even some of the saints went, some of them went even every day to the sacrament of confession. Every time you go to the sacrament in grace, first of all, you increase in the life of sanctifying grace. So the more grace you die in, the greater degree of glory and happiness that you'll have in heaven one day. You also receive sacramental grace through the sacrament that you, can't, you don't receive outside the sacrament. So there's a special sacramental grace to strengthen us against our sinful tendencies. Some people have terrible vices in their life. They need that grace and strength to overcome those vices in their lives. And it gives us, of course, the great peace, whatever, that we've lost somewhat through, through sin. You know, what destroys our peace? Sin destroys our peace. That's why there's a great lack of peace in our world today. Because of sin. Why did Our Lady appear a fat in It's all about sin. It's all about calling us to repentance. And what was Jesus' initial call in the gospel? Repent and believe in the good news, lest ye perish. And so it's all about sin. And Jesus established this sacrament to, to cleanse us of sin for our eternal salvation. And so when Our Lady said at, at Lourdes, wash yourselves in the spring, I mean, she was speaking about the miraculous spring. Yes, where many people have reported being miraculously cured, defying laws of medical science. But there was a deeper meaning to Our Lady to wash ourselves in the spring of divine mercy. But to wash ourselves often. You have a bath every day, huh? Well, I, I have a shower every day. It says, I like to be always clean. I'm feeling clean. So too to be spiritually and morally clean through the sacrament of regular, uh, what you call it, attending of the sacrament of confession. So as a priest, I tried to go at least once a week. I remember a priest saying to me, he says, you abuse this sacrament. I mean, you can just say sorry for these sins outside the sacrament. And there was no mortal sins, whatever, there were venial sins. He says, but Father, some of the saints went every, some of them went every day to the sacrament. Says, but you're not a saint. So why do you think I'm in here? To become a saint. <laughs> Be ye holy as your heavenly Father is holy. And so we always want to be cleansing ourselves. Don't you dust the house every, you know, mm. very often or whatever? Because if you leave it, the dust accumulates and whatever. And you want to clean even those venial sins away from your soul. But sin destroys our peace. 
uh, because it destroys our relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves. Jesus equated peace with the sacrament of confession. Peace be with you. The sins that you forgive, they are forgiven. The sins that you retain, they are retained. Why did he equate peace with the sacrament of confession? Because through the sacrament of confession, we are reconciled with God, with others, and with ourselves. And we can walk out in peace, knowing that God has forgiven us and reconciled us. So when you leave confession, you should be leaving in joy and in peace, in great peace. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a humbling sacrament, but it's a beautiful sacrament. For the good of your body, don't you go and show your wounds to a doctor. So, to, and it takes humility sometimes to show uh, embarrassing where, you know, your wounds in embarrassing areas. And sometimes, but if you don't show the wounds, the doctor can't apply the, the ointment or the medicine to those wounds. So too, the spiritual, moral wounds you have to show. Be humble. It was pride that was, a, was the source of your sin. And the offset of that is humility. Humility to humble yourself, but know that... Yes, you're going to a priest. Some people think psychologically, what does a priest think of me? Trust me, the priest is a sinner too. And thank God you're not going to St. Michael the Archangel in the Sacrament of Confession. <laughs> I says, you're going to a priest who's in solidarity with you. I love this, that, that passage of the scriptures where uh, Jesus was uh, with the woman caught in adultery and they were ready to fire rock stones at her because that was the penalty for adultery back then. Thank God it's not today. There'll be a lot of people being stoned out there or whatever, you know. But uh, he said, let you who has not sinned, you cast the first stone. And we're told they all dropped their stones and walked away. Why? Because we're all sinners. Let you who says you have not sinned, you're a liar, according to St. John. And so who are we priests to throw stones at anyone in that sacrament? So thank God the priest is in solidarity with you. He's a sinner himself. But know that the priest acts in persona Christi. So Jesus said to say, Faustina, know that I am hidden by the priest, but it is I myself who act in your soul. The woman was alone. The woman caught in adultery, just like the sinner is alone with Jesus in the person of the priest in the sacrament of confession. And Jesus said, is there anybody here to condemn you? No, sir, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's like the whole sacrament of confession. It's a beautiful sacrament of repentance and transformation of life. It's like a new res, especially those immortal sin, that, you're, that the life of grace is resuscitated in your soul again. And so it is a beautiful sacrament. And, and for those, there's so many Naamans in the church today. Remember Naaman wouldn't wash himself in the, in, in the waters of what you call it, of the Jordan, mm. seven times. Oh, there's better rivers in, in, in Damascus or whatever. Why can't mm. I wash myself there? And he says, well, listen, do it. See what happens of it. There's no harm. And he does wash himself and he's cleansed of his leprosy. And leprosy is always... Uh, what you call it, it's a, it's, they spiritualize it, that sin is spiritual leprosy. And so too, there's so many namers in the church that think they can go directly to God without going through the sacrament of confession for forgiveness. You know, I was, I was, I was here in, in Perth or whatever, and a woman called me in one day. I was in the hospital. It was only the first day here in Perth. And a woman, I was passing by, and I was wearing my cassock, and um, I was passing by, and this woman saw me. She said, oh, Father, 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 can you come here and give me Holy Communion? So obviously she's, she's Catholic, she knows what Holy Communion is, she knows what a priest is. Well, I don't know if her, from Adam, I says, 
She could have been away from the sacrament for 40 years. How do I know? It says, and it's adjusted to give, me, give her Holy Communion if she's a state, in the state of mortal sin. It says, for St. Saint, Saint Paul says, he who eats and drinks the body and blood of Jesus Christ eats and drinks his own condemnation. And so we think Holy Communion is good for us. <laughs> Not in your state of mortal sin. Mm. That's a sacrilege, a grave sacrilege and a grave offense against the Eucharist against Jesus Christ. And so I said to her, do you need confession? I said, I don't go to any priest. I go straight to Jesus. And literally, I turned to her and says, then you don't need me to give you Holy Communion. You go straight to Jesus for Holy Communion. Jesus established that sacrament as he did the other six sacraments. And he established this sacrament for the forgiveness of sins. And those who are in the state of mortal sin are forgiven in and through that sacrament. They must go to confession before receiving Holy Communion. And unfortunately, they've lost the sense of being away from that sacrament for so long. They have lost the sense of sin and they're still going to Holy Communion on a Sunday. And there are many sacrilegious communions that are being received today. And the church is very sick because of this. Trust me, members of the church are very sick because of this. So we must inform the conscience correctly on who that the Eucharist is and how you should receive him. Always, always in the state of sanctifying grace. And we need regular confession to remain in the life of sanctifying grace today and to be always disposed to receiving the graces of Holy Communion. And so it's a beautiful sacrament established by Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for our eternal salvation. And Father, if you could just quickly elaborate on um, another great help that we often overlook is our guardian angel. Absolutely. That, yeah. Well, the church teaches that each and every one of us have been given a guardian angel. Your guardian angel is not my guardian angel, and my, uh, my guardian angel is not your guardian angel. And so I, I, I personally, I have a special devotion to my own guardian angel. I wish I had more, but um, I'll share this story if it's going on air, but uh, uh, it's a true story. It says, I know it's real because it happened to me. Um, I was praying my rosary one day in the church and I used to call my guardian angel David. And I think I just like the name too, but anyway, it says, thinking that it was David. So I said, my guardian angels, I know that you're real. It is the church's teaching. It says, it is true. And it says, I believe 100% by faith. What the church teaches, I believe 100% by faith. I am truly convicted. Absolutely. Just like Peter, it says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It wasn't flesh and blood to reveal it. My Father revealed it to you. Peter was convinced. I am convinced of all the church's teachings. And that's what faith is. First of all, it's a personal commitment to God. And it's an intellectual assent to all that God has revealed, which impacts on our spiritual and moral lives for our eternal salvation. So we must adhere to all that God has revealed to us and what all Holy Mother Church teaches us. Oh, otherwise you're not a Christian any longer. So Jesus said, he who, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. If you reject just one teaching of the Catholic Church, you reject Jesus Christ. So the guardian angel is a teaching of Holy Mother Church. The angels, the existence of the angels is a teaching. And so the church teaches that each and every one of us have been assigned a guardian angel. We need a, guard, a, a guardian. We're fighting a spiritual battle. So we need all the help we can get. And so we need this beautiful angel of light to help us, to guard us, and to, to help us get to heaven. The problem is that we have free will and God respects our free will. 
And if God respects our free will, our guardian angel who is in God or whatever respects our free will too. You don't ask, you don't receive. God can't force it. You have to ask Our Lady her consent for the incarnation. And so she says, you're going to have the Son of God. And Hose says, you know, so she said, behold, I am the handmaid. Let it be done to me according to your word. So Mary could have said no or yes. God respected her free will. Our guardian angels will also respect her free will. He could, uh, we don't use, utilize our guardian angels enough. We don't turn to them and ask them to do things for us. And so I was praying the rosary one day in my parish church, and it says, you know, I've been calling you David all these years. I want a relation. I want to, I want to know your name. And uh, I, I, I just started saying my prayers. I wasn't even thinking. And I just hear this word, uh, this name. I don't know what I heard. Or it was just a strong inspiration. It was, I heard Lawrence. And so I said, okay, if your name is Lawrence, show me. Give me a sign that your name is Lawrence. So I used to play a game called hurling um, back in Ireland. It's our national sport and it's one of the fastest air games in the world. It's full contact. Um, I know I'd if I lived in Australia, I'd be playing your, your footy over here. Would have been playing your footy over here. I says, well, I'm all, I'm all shoulders when it comes to sports or whatever, you know. Uh, the, the greater the battle, the better. But anyway, so uh, I always felt good when I came off the pitch when I was sore because I knew I was really in the thick of it. But um, so I was playing a hurling, that, a game of hurling that, that night. is 15 on each side and it's, it's a full-size uh, field, bigger than an American uh, football field. And I don't know how big, it's probably bigger than the actual... Uh, Australian football field. Um, there is compromise rules between Ireland and Australia, I think, every two years. So um, in the middle of the game, I was playing in midfield. And uh, again, all I can explain is that something turned me around. The ball was at the, 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 the top of the field and something turned me around in the middle of the game. And I was all the spectators on the side of the field disappeared before my eyes. And all that was left was a bag standing vertically with the name Lawrence in big bold white letters right across the bag and it just as if it came off the bag it just came right between my eyes I came out of this altar state and resumed, resumed the game so doubting Thomas didn't check to see if there was a bag on the side of the field or whatever so I'm doubting so I went up to the same church the following morning he said my guardian angel says I'm sorry for being doubting Thomas give me another sign and I walked into the church and there were posters all over the place uh, with the name Lawrence written right across it, all over the church. So not just one sign, there was hundreds, of, there was tons of signs all over the church, which was Lawrence written over, so it couldn't be any clearer. And so anyway, one, one day, uh, I was, one night, I was, my, 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 uh, I was uh, parked in a car, and uh, I was about three or four miles away from my home, and it was my mother's car. It was about two o'clock in the morning, and uh, I tried to start up the car, and the battery was completely dead. Um, because I must have left the lights on. I was speaking to somebody in the car and that person had gone off and here I was in a, on a road in pitch darkness with uh, my car. Uh, I couldn't move my car, I couldn't run the car. The battery's completely dead. And I didn't want to call my parents at two o'clock in the morning to wake them up and say, I'm sorry, but I'm stranded in the middle of this, this little city and whatever, you know, and the car is completely dead to worry them. So I said, my guardian angel said, please help me. And so I said my guardian angel prayer. Right at that moment, this woman pulled up in the car. Now, I can, I can understand maybe a man pulling up in a dark road in the middle of the night, but she, she got out of the car. She was a big woman. She pulled up in the car. I didn't even tell her I was even broken down. 
And she said, get in the car. I'm not going to argue with a big woman at two o'clock in the morning. So I got in the car <laughs> and she pushed me down this hill with, with such ease that I went down the hill and my car started. I went back and she was completely gone. So now I'm confused. Is it Lawrence by day and Florence by night? But anyway, <laughs> but our guardian angel can do so much for us if only we ask if we utilize our guardian angels. They love us and they're closer to us than all our parents and our friends are with us all the time. But unfortunately, so many people just think on, on a worldly plane and they don't think about the spiritual. And the spiritual is real. It's very real. And that's because we're not turning to God. We're not turning to the spiritual. Huh? So we don't think of the spiritual. Many people go through life without even knowing that they even have a guardian angel. Many of our Catholics go through life without even also thinking or even praying to their guardian angel. And one other thing that's been on our, on our minds, when you have a very liberal priest or liberal bishop and they're, they're doing things in Mass that would just make you cringe, the consecration that they make at the Mass is always legitimate, yeah. isn't it? As long as the, the matter is the, the proper matter um, for consecration. You know, I went into a parish uh, one time, five, five to 6,000 families, I was, uh, and, but before I came there, they were actually baking the, the, the host for the Eucharist and they had butter and all sorts of different things. And this is invalid matter for the Eucharist. They've been doing this for 10 years, 10 years. And the responsibility ends with the bishop, you know. He has to put his foot down with these grave abuses, you know. And they were using Jewish wine with all sorts of salt, nothing against wine or, you know, I like my, my, my bit of vino. Um, but I says there has to be proper liturgical wine. There's specifications and whatever for, for proper, and if you cannot use the documents, Redemptionis Sacramentum, a document issued by Pope Benedict, says that we, we, we must not use any dubious matter when it comes to the wine. So I had to get rid of that Jewish wine when I arrived. And so there are grave abuses that are taking place in the liturgy. Sometimes they are grave and sometimes you must in charity speak to the priest. Say, Father, this is wrong. To correct. The proper avenue is, is, is to go to him first. That's Christian. When you see somebody do Tell him, go to him. And if he doesn't listen, you bring someone else. And if he doesn't listen, you go to the higher authority, you go to the bishop. But sometimes the people go straight to the bishop, and that's not fair. The priest can't even defend himself or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Give him a chance. And so love these priests, pray for these priests. But as long as the matter is, is valid, their intention is valid, uh, and the words of consecration are valid, it's a valid mass. It's a valid mass. And so... For validity, it doesn't depend on the holiness of the priests. But of course, we want holy priests, huh? Yeah. And so, even for the validity of, of, of confession, if I have the most liberal, the most sinful priest in the world, and he's the only one at my death, I'm taking him. I'm taking him. I, I had a priest friend, uh, at, um, he's a missionary in, in Ethiopia. The nearest priest to him is 2,500 miles away. And he says, I know there's lots of liberal priests, but I'm glad. To have that priest just to confess me, just to confess me. So thank God it doesn't depend on the holiness of the priest, otherwise we're really in big trouble. Huh? Because remember, priests are human beings too, who have their weaknesses also. But pray for holy priests. Holy priests make a holy people. You know, Mother Teresa once ran after me 
um, St. Mother Teresa, and she gave me, she was a little slip of a thing, and she nearly leapt in my arms. She gave me a kiss on the cheek. That's why this side is dirtier than the other, because <laughs> I haven't washed it since. But anyway, <laughs> but she says, I pray that you be a holy priest. Now, she's just reminding me of my call to holiness. We're all called to holiness, every single one of us. You don't go become a saint. I'm not talking about a canonized saint. You don't become a saint. You're not going to go to heaven. Trust me, on Judgment Day, uh, I'll share the story with your listeners. One day, uh, one time I was flying to here to Australia via Ireland, and I had enough air miles to get me first class to Ireland and back again. I wish I had enough air miles for the whole journey, but anyway, especially those long flights coming to Australia. And I was in the airport, and I had taken an examination of conscience. Uh, I just picked it up and put it in my bag on the way out of the rectory when I was on my way to the airport. And so I was in the lounge waiting for my flight, and a friend of mine calls me and says, You know, Father, I said, be humble. Go to the back of the plane. You'll sit in the black box and give your seat to somebody else. So I got off the phone. I said, boy, my conscience, talk about a, uh, a guilt trip. And I says, Lord, if you want me to give my first class seat to somebody, you arrange it. So I, I'm on my way to get my flight. I know nobody in the airport. Never seen any of these people before. Black with people. It was around Christmas time. And uh, on my way, I see this Irish pub. And he says, you know, I wouldn't mind a pint of Guinness. We call it a pint of genius in Ireland. But anyway, I said, I wouldn't mind a pint of Guinness before getting on my flight. But I looked at my watch. I says, no, nah. I, I better get down. So I, I sat down to wait for the flight when I heard the good news, not the good news of salvation, but I heard good news that the flight had been delayed to, to Ireland, to Dublin, for two hours due to inclement weather. They had to de-ice the plane. You, you wouldn't understand that here in Australia. <laughs> no. we, get, we get lots of ice over there and snow over in America. And so I ran back to the pub uh, to get my pint of Guinness. And there was myself and just this other woman in the pub. She comes up to me and says, you know, Father, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm only about 20 minutes away from the airport here in New Jersey. And she says, I'm just here having a drink because I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually uh, flying to... My flight got delayed. I said, well, actually, I'm only having a drink here because my flight got delayed also. I said, well, where are you flying to? I said, oh, I'm flying to Ireland. I'm flying to Dublin. He says, Father, I'm flying to Ireland. I'm flying to Dublin too. So you know what, Father? says, you know, I'm a good Irish Catholic. And so just speaking to her and listening to her for the next 20 minutes, sipping my pint of Guinness, I found out just how good an Irish Catholic she was. Well, she, I don't think she'd been in confession for nearly 40 years. Um, she hadn't gone to Mass, and maybe an odd fuel on a wedding, and forget about prayer and the rosary, forget about that. So I said, you know, this is for you, and I gave her the examination of conscience. here's a Christmas present for you. And we were both walking down to get our flight, and I said to her, because I would have had to deviate going into first class, I said, I don't want to scandalize you, but I'm on first class tonight. I was going to offer her my seat. When she butted in, she says, I don't want to scandalize you either, Father. She says, I'm a first class. I'm going to offer you my seat. So guess who she was sitting beside for the next six hours going flying to Ireland? But yours truly. Of all the people in the whole airport, she's the one I was drinking with, having a drink in the pub with. And she's the one who was sitting right beside me for the whole flight. Now forget about relaxing on the flight. I says, this was Catholicism for dummies. She asked me, Catholicism 101, she asked me every question under the sun. And I tried to answer every question under the sun. About 20 minutes before landing, she said, well, Father, what do you think? Do you think I'm a good Irish Catholic? I said, well, listen, there's no such thing as a half a sinner. There's no such thing as a half a saint. 
You've been away for 40 years from confession. What do you think you are, a sinner or a saint? He says, thank you for your honesty, Father. He says, and I tell you, one day, he says, God, the will of God is your sanctification. You're called to be a saint. And on judgment day, I promise you, you will either be a sinner for all eternity or a saint for all eternity. I think in, uh, I heard or whatever I read that in, 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 uh, in New Zealand, I think they have four times the amount of sheep that they do people. With the crossbreed, mm. sheep and goats, and they call them shoats. And in, in uh, Scotland, the crossbreed, the goats and the sheep, and they call them geep. I says, on Judgment Day, you're not going to be uh, half a, a, a geep or a shoat. You're going to be a, a goat and Christ's left and will go off to, to hell for eternity, or you're going to be a sheep and Christ's right and you go off to heaven for all eternity. That's it. You can't end up a sinner and a saint. You're either a sinner or you're going to be a saint for all eternity. So, you know, Father, I promise you that I will go to confession when I go to Ireland, first time in 40 years. And I will start going back to Mass every Sunday and Holy Days of Obligation. I'm going to start praying my rosary again. I said, well, it was worth the pint again, as I said to myself. I said, but make your conversion radical. So what do you mean by that? I says, you can bring a pig home, give it a nice shower, douse it with Chanel number five, put a nice bow around his neck, let it go, it goes right back to the mud. I says, make your conversion radical. So hopefully she did make that conversion radical. And so uh, the priesthood is a joy when you can help souls redirect them towards the path of God's kingdom. And I'm very happy as a priest and there's lots of work for us as priests to redirect souls on the path of Christ's truth, the teachings of Holy Mother Church, and the path of His grace, the grace to help them to, to walk that straight and narrow road that leads to the kingdom of heaven. And to all the listeners, I ask our Lord's blessings, uh, His benediction upon each and every one of you through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Benedictio Dea Omnipotentis Patris, et Filii Spiritus Sancti, Descende Supervos, et Maria Semper. Amen. Go on the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. If you like what you just heard and want to find out more or get in contact with Matt and Tom, jump on Facebook and follow The Little Big Things and there you can find links, contact info and updates. We'd love for you to get involved, so flick us a message or an email and let's talk about The Little Big Things. 